Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Up to this point, Jesus has been doing many miracles. In chapter 9, as I told you, Jesus begins to emphasize teaching over miracles, works over words. Last time we were together, Jesus was in the area of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they responded, and they said, some say that you're John the Baptist, and some say that you're Elijah, and still others are saying that you are like one of the old prophets, like Jeremiah. And then Jesus asked what I call the million-dollar question, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter piped up, you know the story, Peter piped up, and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of God, you're the Messiah, you're the Anointed One. Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And then Jesus began to talk about his suffering and his rejection and his resurrection. And then right about chapter 9 and verse 26, go ahead and peek at it. Jesus began to say, whosoever is ashamed of me before men, he will be ashamed of them when he comes in glory. Which brings us to verse 27, my sermon title, A Moment of Glory. Luke chapter 9. Beginning in verse 27, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. But I tell you truly, Jesus said, there's some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he, Jesus, took Peter, James, and John and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. And his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him. And who were these two men, saints? And they appeared in glory and they spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. When they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Note this, not knowing what he said. And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone, but they kept quiet. They told no one in those days any of the things 
they had seen. Saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus knows that the time of his departure is at hand. And so Jesus is trying to impress many things on their minds. But not much is actually getting through. But the good news is that what Jesus has been sharing with them is getting stored. And when they are filled with the Holy Spirit, the things that Jesus has told them will come back to their remembrance. Wasn't it Jesus who said, the Holy Spirit will lead you and teach you and guide you and bring to remembrance the things that I have told you? It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us. Pastor Rodney can't teach you anything. Anything that you learn, you learn it from the Spirit, don't you know? Anything you learn, you learn it from the Spirit. When you have those aha moments and you read the Bible and, and you read the Word of God and you read it and you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I understand it. It's, oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, I connect that together. And you start learning the Word of God. I call those kind of aha moments when the spiritual light bulb just goes off and you really get it. Don't you know that's the Holy Spirit? Pastor Rodney don't teach you anything. I don't know that. I really don't know that much. That, that's not amenable. <laughs> Y'all like, yes. I don't really know that much. Whatever I know, I know it from the Spirit. Whatever I've been taught, I've been taught by the Spirit. Y'all know my story. I, I didn't go to seminary. I didn't prepare for the pulpit, for the church. It's so much a misconception that you have to prepare to become a minister of God. Listen, you can go to seminary for the rest of your life, but if God doesn't call you and God doesn't send you, then you just spend a lot of time in the classroom. Seminary cannot prepare you for what God's plan and purpose is in the church. There's nothing wrong with seminary, but it doesn't qualify you. God qualifies you. Can you say a better amen than that? God qualifies you. And he brings things to your remembrance and God teaches you. And at this point, Jesus is working and teaching, but not much is coming up on the screen. So in verse 27, Jesus said, there are many standing here that won't taste of death until they see the kingdom of God. Now the disciples are thinking that Jesus is going to set up his kingdom right now. And so there are a lot of people, by the way, who say, aha, see, there's a contradiction in scripture. And they'll look at this verse right here and they'll say that Jesus made a mistake because the disciples died and they didn't see the kingdom. Well, if you're taking notes, you should write this down. The word kingdom means glory. The word kingdom means majesty. The word kingdom means royalty. So here we have the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration and they are seeing his glory. They are seeing his majesty. The Transfiguration was a sneak preview of the kingdom of God, a foretaste of glory, a moment in glory. And the Bible tells us, notice in verse 28, the Bible tells us, After eight days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up into a mountain. This mountain was probably Mount Hermon, if you go with us. And by the way, we are talking to the travel agents about 
a trip to Israel sometime around this time next year. And so as soon as we nail that down and get the specifics, we'll tell you more about it. But when we go to Israel, we always go to uh, northern Israel. And Mount Hermon is located in northern Israel. Remember, it was in Caesarea Philippi, which is right a couple of miles next to Mount Hermon. There in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? We talked about this the last time. And who do men say that I am? That was near Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is about 11,000 feet above sea level. And usually on Mount Hermon, as a matter of fact, every time that I've gone there, um, on Mount Hermon, it's snow-capped. So it's very cold up there. It's very chilly. It's a breeze up there. There's snow up on the mountain. As a matter of fact, on a clear day from Jerusalem, you can see uh, Mount Hermon from the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus takes his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, away from the others. Now, it's very, very interesting. Listen close. It's interesting. In the Bible, three times that Jesus took these three guys away, and each time the occasion dealt with death. The first time you'll find it in Matthew chapter 9, Jairus, you know the story, Jairus' daughter died, and Jesus took Peter, James, and John into the room, and he said, Talitha kumai, Danzel, arise, and she immediately got up. Jesus was showing he was victorious over death. And then the second time, it's in Luke chapter 22, as Peter, James, and John are in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus said, let this cup of death or suffering pass from me. There in Luke 22, Jesus is showing his submission to death. And then the third time is right here in our text on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is showing them that he will be glorified in death, victory over death, submission to death, glorified in death. Keep in mind, listen, that this is right off of the conversation that he had with them. If they're going to follow him, then they're going to have to do three things. They're going to have to, number one, what? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. We talked about that. So Jesus is making it plain and clear that there's nothing to fear in death because if you follow Jesus, there's going to be a transformation in your life. And so Peter, James, and John, they wrap up in robes, extra robes, and they take a long hike up Mount Hermon. And as they come up on the mountain, they're exhausted and they fall asleep. Now, search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Every time Jesus is trying to share a spiritual moment with the disciples, they develop narcolepsy. Every time. Over and over in the scriptures, Jesus is praying. You find a disciple sleeping. Don't you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? And Jesus is in deep agony. And he said to the disciples, he said, could you guys stay awake and pray? And Jesus moves over a few feet and he starts praying and he's sweating great drops of blood and he looks over at the disciples and they are knocked out. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> Jesus is probably like, oy vey, 
can I do with these guys? They're always asleep. And, you know, honestly, I got to tell you, honestly, I'm in church. I had to be honest and vulnerable. But uh, I actually can relate to this because this is my problem. My problem is I pray and sleep at the same time. <laughs> can I get a witness? Can I, y'all know what I'm talking about. I pray and sleep at the same time. And I don't know, you know, I don't know where this came from, but you probably should not teach your kids. We start with our kids and we say, okay, Johnny, not Johnny, Johnny, but every, <laughs> every little disobedient child is named Johnny. And I'm sorry, Johnny. <laughs> and uh, so we get our kids and we teach them how to pray. We get them on their knees. Okay, get on your knees beside your bed. Fold your hands like this and talk to Jesus. Listen, don't teach your kids to get on their knees. Because I don't know about you, but as soon as I get on my knees and start praying, I go to sleep. <laughs> Or I get on my knees and start praying, and all of a sudden my mind starts drifting and I start thinking about my car inspection. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is it just me? Or I start thinking about, man, I don't know why that happens. I think, honestly, it's an evil tool of the devil. On your knees is an evil tool of the devil. Because it's like you just, you just drift because it's almost like you're too comfortable and you're just in too comfortable a position. And so, you know, you just start drifting. And Jesus is trying to have this spiritual moment with his disciples and they're sleeping. Ah, I know that feeling. You ought to be standing where I'm standing. I'm up here preaching. I'll never forget this. I was preaching, and I'm telling you, I was, I was preaching, I thought I was doing good. I was, I was sweating great drops of blood. <laughs> I look back there at Elvira, because I always look to Elvira for, confirma- for confirmation. So I look back there at Elvira, and usually Elvira's like going, she reading the word, and she going along reading. I'll be preaching, you know, even if I ain't making sense, she'd look at me and go, you preach, honey. And everybody else is going. And she's going. So one time I'm preaching my heart. I look back there in Elvira. She always sits back there where you sit in Cheryl, right in the corner, right next to the sound booth. I look back there. Elvira was knocked out. <laughs> Elvira, you, somebody had to wake her up. <laughs> She was like, I mean, I'm talking her head was on the sound booth like this. (laughs) And I look back at her, I'm like, I think I'm preaching Jesus. I'm I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? She back then knocked out. Somebody wake her up. And you know you're sleeping when you're in church and you're knocked out. And the pastor say, let the church say amen. The church say amen. You wake up and go, amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. <laughs> you know you were knocked out, but that's what happens. Jesus, in verse 29, notice in your Bibles as he prayed, notice as he prayed, his face was altered. His robe became white and glistening. Jesus' appearance is altered. And his robe became glistening in the Greek language. If you want to write this down, that glistening, that word literally means like lightning flashing. 
You'll find the same account in Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, it tells us, get this, that Jesus' clothes were shining and white like, well, listen to this. Would you expect the Bible to say this? Like no laundry detergent. Or like no launderer, it would actually say in Mark chapter 9. Like no laundry detergent. Jesus' clothes were so white, they were whiter than what tide extra strength could get them. I'm on medication, forgive me. (laughs) And Jesus was transfigured. This is the Greek word metamorphosis. It describes a change on the on the outside that comes from the inside. A change on the outside that comes from the inside. Did you get that? The prefix trans, the prefix trans means across, like transatlantic flight. In the transfiguration, a limit or barrier was crossed. Jesus crossed the line between the natural and the supernatural, between the human and the divine. You know this, you've been here at Calvary Chapel. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. He was God in the flesh. And his flesh veiled or hid his true deity. So just looking at Jesus, if you were just looking at Jesus, you would not be able to tell that he was God. Do you understand that there was nothing special looking about Jesus? If he was in this room right now, and he's here in spirit. But if he were physically in this room right now, do you understand you would not be able to pick him out in the audience? That's why, you know, honestly, and by no means do I have a problem with it. It's just not me. I don't wear robes. I don't have special priestly garments. I remember one time I was doing a wedding. It was a very large wedding, and it was a very formal wedding, and they wanted me to wear my robe. I said, what you mean, my bathrobe? <laughs> I, re- I honestly didn't get it. I d- I'm not that quick, okay? I didn't really get it. So I said, no, your, your pastor robe. I'm like, I don't have a pastor robe. And they were, they were struggling. They, you don't have a pastor robe. What kind of pastor are you? And, you know, I'm like, I'm a pastor, pastor who pastor doesn't have a robe. <laughs> what do you want me to say? And so they were set on a robe. So I said, well, look, I don't have a problem with get, getting the robe. I don't have a problem with wearing a robe. I said, but y'all going to have to get it because I'm not going to buy this. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I, Amen, because if I bought it, I would go on the way at one time. Then where else would I move? Walk around down the apex of my robe? <laughs> I'm not going to do with this thing. So I said, well, y'all going to have to get the robe. Don't misunderstand. I got no problem with robe, y'all. Don't take, don't take it past where I'm going. And so they got me the robe. I put the, put the robe on. It was a beautiful robe. Beautiful, beautiful robe. Matter of fact, I looked at myself. I said, well, you look good in the robe. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, I look good. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I look good. 
I said, you know, you need to wear a robe. And I, need, I actually went and thought about buying one, but then I thought, well, I don't know where I would wear it. If I wore it at Calvary, they might think it was trick-or-treat or something like that. have a problem with it, but I'm just saying that it's those kinds of things that kind of make people stand out and make people, you know, look and go, oh, look, there's a man of God in the room. Oh, there's a special man in the room. Listen, Jesus was the most special man who ever walked the earth. You wouldn't be able to pick him out in the audience. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And you wouldn't be able to pick him out. He was veiled in flesh. You know, we sing that song. During Christmas, veiled in flesh, God had seen, held incarnate deity. So you didn't see his deity because it was veiled in the likeness of sinful flesh. But what Jesus really was began to shine through the veil of flesh that he had taken on in his incarnation. And for the first time here on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is kind of pulling back that flesh and allowing that divine nature to shine through. As Jesus is allowing them to see his pre-incarnate glory that he had with the Father. So the deity of Jesus starts shining through his humanity and he was completely engulfed in the blazing bright Shekinah glory. And this is a radiated glory, not a reflected glory. What was in him was beginning to shine forth from him. And guys, listen, that is true of people, isn't it? Whatever is inside a person will eventually come shining forth from that person. If there is good stuff in that person, then good things will be seen from that person. If there's dark and evil stuff in a person, then dark and evil things will be seen. Jesus said, what's in your heart is going to come forth from your life. And all good stuff was in Jesus, light and life. And that's what comes out. Look at verse 30. So Jesus had been transfigured or transformed. And they finally wake up and they see what I like to call the glorious visitors. Moses and who else, saints? Why? Moses, listen, represents the law. And Elijah represents the prophets. Moses stood at the head of the law, and Elijah again represents the prophets. Matthew chapter 5, in verse 17, Jesus said, Don't think that I've come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. So the law and the prophets point to Jesus. He is the fulfillment of them both. Now, there's several interesting things that I want to tell you about these guys I want to point out, and you might want to jot down some notes right here. Number one, they both, interesting, they both meet God before on a mountaintop experience. Don't you remember when Moses was up on the mountain? He was up on Mount Sinai and he received the law. And when he came down from the mountain, his face was shining and they had to put a veil over his face because of the glory that was reflected. Moses met God on a mountain before. And Elijah as well had a great mountaintop experience. The odds are 450 to 1. 450 prophets of Baal to one Elijah and Elijah calls down fire from heaven and consumes the sacrifice and he kills all the prophets of Baal. They both met God before on a mountain. Number two, I want to tell you, these guys prove that there is life after death. There is life after death. Moses had been dead for 1400 years up to this point. Are you listening? Moses had been dead up 
for 1400 years up until this point. Elijah had been dead for 800 years. And guess who they still are? Guess who they still are? They still are very good. They still are Moses and Elijah. They weren't reincarnated and they came back as someone else. They didn't come back as a cat. (laughs) Say amen. Amen. Say it again. One more time. These are some good meds I'm on. I'm actually liking this. They weren't reincarnated from a past life. Isn't it really interesting how people, if you notice this, and, and people will tell you well, they, they lived in a past life. And in their past life, have you ever noticed they were always a king or a queen? A king or a queen, or they were, you know, like a race car driver or a bullfighter or something like that. Nobody ever says, you know, in my previous life, I was homeless. In my previous life, I was a rat. In my previous life, I worked for the government. (laughs) You know I love you. Don't go there. Nobody ever says that. You know, the Bible does not, listen, the Bible does not teach reincarnation. After all of these years, notice they are still Moses and Elijah. And also, did you notice this? That Peter, watch this, you'll love it. Peter recognized them right away. He never met them before. There was never any previous introductions. But did you notice that Jesus didn't say, Mo, meet Pete? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.